Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is September the 15th, 2013, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. Kibanya. Tonight, we're going to crack an egg, and that egg is about the publishing business. Uh, I know there are several events coming up this uh, this coming month. One is a national uh, Black Book Festival. The other one is the Arthur Summit, both of which I believe are in Houston, Texas. And I want to talk to you aspiring authors out there. We have a um, heck of a show for you. The The subject tonight is, um, I could have named this show, How to Not Get Pimp Trying to Publish a Book, but instead uh, I will leave my colloquialisms out of it and just get straight to the point. Publishing has changed. The world of publishing has changed. If you are an aspiring author, um, the traditional routes of writing probably 50 to 100 query letters, getting them out, hopefully having an agent pick one of them and uh, actually taking you serious. After they get finished reading your manuscript, you may or may not hear back from them. And if you do hear back from them, now you've endeavored the world of publishing. Unless you are a seasoned veteran or have a great entertainment lawyer, you are headed into the abyss. So by the end of this program tonight, that will not be the case. I'm going to give you some tips. And some of these things are have a great deal to do with why would you write a book? Many people write books for reasons that absolutely make little to no sense to no one but them. And if you're one of those people, I'm going to help you spot that really quick. I'm going to give you basically four or five reasons why you would endeavor to do so. First, if you are writing a book about your life and your life is boring as hell, no one is going to buy it. Second, if you're writing a book about things that have happened in your life that other people can relate to, and those events can transform somebody's life, you may be on your way to something. Or if you're writing a book about the history of your family, that's a really wonderful thing. We don't want to read it unless your last name is King, Gandhi, or something of that nature. So you might want to just print up a few copies of that and hand it out at a family reunion so everyone can walk around and realize who they are so they don't potentially end up dating a cousin. But if you are a serious writer, if you are an author that actually has some content that has something that might impact the rest of us, this show is probably for you. Now, since Gutenberg invented the printing press in about 1450, printing multiple copies of a book has gotten cheaper and easier. Around 1800, the more efficient iron hand press started to replace the wooden printing press, and today automated machine presses 
uh, press mass-produced books. And recently, the digitization of books has allowed for the invention of print-on-demand, where books are printed as they're sold. Well, that's a lot of different stuff. And if you're like most people, you're sitting back going, what the heck? After tonight, you will no longer ask that question. Now, what are the benefits of traditional publishing versus self-publishing? And we're really going to hit that discussion, but I'm going to just give you a quick glaze over when in traditional publishing, the publisher takes all of the financial risk of printing and advertising your book. He also handles the distribution and has a pre-existing distribution arm or relationship with the distribution company, reaching regional, national, or international audiences. But in self-publishing, which may not be a bad idea, especially if you have the advertising budget, a good promotions company, a good management company, someone that is connected in the industry as well as connected with media, then here's how that can play in your favor. In self-publishing, there are no gatekeeper delays for your project, so you're not sitting there waiting like planes on a crowded runway for your project to take off. You don't have to satisfy the taste of an agent or an editor but the downside to that is if you are not a good writer or you didn't employ a good editor, you may be headed for trouble. And then here's the other caveat. If you have the money required to produce a book, you can publish quickly. Self-publishing also provides you with complete control over your finished product. Now, let's go a little further with this. Many consumers assume that self-published books are poorly written, Seeing self-publishing as a last resort for authors who can't sell their book to even family members and friends, however, that is no longer the case. There are many products that have hit the market, and just to name a few, and our uh, guest this evening is definitely one of those exceptions to the rule, and yours truly is also. You may earn a lot of uh, prestige and accomplishment if you do self-publishing right. Can it be done right? Yes, it can. There are books like uh, A Time to Kill by John Grisham or What Color is Your Parachute by Richard Nelson Bowles. All those books started as self-publishing books, not to mention the phenomenal story behind Amanda Hawking, who set up to just print uh, a few copies, make a few hundred dollars, and ended up making $2.5 million. So, the number one country on earth with self-publishing happens to be the United States. And with not tooting our own horn, many self-published authors have gone on to be uh, air personalities on television and radio, contributing uh, experts and commentators to radio, television, and print. And that's why I have my guest on the show this evening. Julia, if you're there, would you please tell us who's joining us tonight? I am here. We are joined by best-selling author Michelle Simpson. Michelle has penned several works, including national bestseller Divas of Damascus Road, the highly acclaimed Falling into Grace, and Amazon number one bestseller Stepping Down. She joins the show to share her trade secrets on how to successfully self-publish your book. So we are thrilled to welcome Michelle to the show today. Hi, Michelle. Are you there? I am. Thank you so much, Dr. Young and Julia, for having me. I just thank you so much. We thank you for joining the program this evening. I want to just jump straight into this. Um, like most authors, 
unless you are an avid reader, which unfortunately a lot of Americans aren't. However, Americans are definitely greedy business people, and we definitely like to read when it benefits us. Tell us about Michelle Stimson. Okay, definitely. Um, I um, am thankful to be in the industry. I've been writing regularly uh, since I was 12. I didn't actually get published till I was almost 30, but um, I just am thankful that my life lined up in such a way that the Lord ordered in such a way that it would. Um, I was being prepared to write from a very young age. Uh, my first book came out in 2004. I write Christian fiction mostly. Um, and at that time, you know, this was before Kindles and all of that kind of thing, and e-readers came out. And so you had to do the traditional route, as you referenced earlier. Um, and so it's been kind of neat to see the whole industry from the perspective of one who was published by a major publisher um, for several years and then made the switch to um, self-publishing about, really honestly, about a year ago. I got, uh, after seven or eight novels, my first book came out in 2004, um, and then last year when the last deal came through um, with a different publisher that I was with at that point, it just wasn't a good deal. And I took a look, and I didn't even realize what was going on. I had published some short stories myself at a website um, for high school teachers who wanted to work with their students and that kind of thing, who, kids who didn't like to read. And so I published. I started publishing those in 2008 by myself, and when I sat down and did the taxes at the end of that year and looked at the 1099 from my publisher, which at that time was a major, the, the biggest publisher probably in the U.S., versus what I had made on my own with those little short stories, I, it, the light bulb just went off, like, why are you still with a publisher? And, um, you know, because the industry has changed so much. And then last year when uh, my agent called and said, here's what they want to do for the next couple of books, and I looked at the numbers, and I just it just I, it just didn't make sense to stay with a publisher. So, I'm not anti-publisher, but I think that the industry it takes a while to change that big old boat around, and they have to it'll take them a while to get back to something that's more equitable, con- considering that it doesn't cost as much to print or advertise books anymore. Okay, I got a question for you, Michelle. Uh, let's say, and a, and a lot of people that are probably listening to this program tonight. Um, are listening for reasons that the, they are either going to endeavor a book project, endeavor publishing. And you and I had very similar stories. I know when I wrote Tired of Being Alone, there was a Time Life company uh, that I can't mention that had, um, they gave me a contract, went to publish my work. And the book did better than they thought and better than I thought, but when it came time to the money, I was like, show me the money, and the money was transparent. So with that said, I immediately uh, just found a way to get out the contract and I found a loophole, started my own publishing business, and the rest is history. Now, what I'm leaving out in that uh, bit, in that little story, is all of the times I got screwed by hiring publicists that did not do their job, having people sell me pie-in-the-sky fantasies about how things would go, and that at the end of the day, I did not understand that it was up to me to create a worthy brand, to create all the materials that need to go behind that brand, not to mention to be very, very aggressive in making sure that my walk matched my talk. What would you say, uh, and we're going to go to break probably about three minutes, but what would you say um, just on the fly to someone that wants to 
take a manuscript from manuscript to book, what's step number one? Give us about three minutes, and we're going to come back and talk about that. But go ahead and give us a three-minute answer real quick. Well, assuming that the manuscript is complete, um, the first step is always going to be to have a very, very good editor. And the way that you find a good editor is to read other books that are very well written that you respect and, you know, that kind of a thing, and look at the front of them and just – They'll say, I want to thank my mom, and look at the acknowledgement section, and they'll say, I want to thank my mom and my dad and my cousin and my editor, so-and-so, and get in touch with that editor and say, listen, I've got a project, and I need, uh, I'd like to hire you. And that's, and that's so interesting because a lot of people are just afraid to ask, but editors are have bills too, and they want to make money, and <laughs> so they'll take on a project if they, if they, a good editor will say, you know, I, I can't do this because it's it's not right or whatever, however they want to term it, but. Um, that's the first step is to get with a really, really good editor because an editor will bring out the best in your writing, I think. Um, oh. Beyond that, it's, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, dear. Beyond that, um, the biggest thing I think, too, is is a really, really good book cover. If you're not good at it, then find somebody else who is. I mean, most, many of us are not. I, I think I've gotten better over the years after so many books, but um, – a really, really good book cover helps. And in my industry, in Christian fiction, I just believe that your heart is what, what matters a lot, too. If you're in this, I mean, the industry does not tolerate hustlers very well. And so if you're really in it just to make a book, and if you're really in it to just pull in a whole bunch of information that you really don't even care about, the industry will spot that very quickly, and you will not be around long. Okay. Uh, what, this, uh, this next uh, discussion is going to get a little heavy. So what I want to do we're going to take a quick 45-second break, America. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and we'll be right back. Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. Von Young tonight. I have my guest, Michelle Stimson, in the house, and we're talking about what it really takes to go and publish your own book. How do you self-publish with success? Well, Michelle and I are going to hopefully answer a lot of those questions, and when you get through listening to the, tonight's program, you can blow the dust off that manuscript you started writing or trash it and write a real one. But at the very least, we're going to help hopefully to position you to do something that's going to be notable and probably end up making you a lot of money if this is done properly. Now, Michelle, the one thing that I want to touch on, uh, before we went to break, I was asking you when someone knows what the first step is, and you made the comment that they should get an editor. Um, I want to back that up and say, Michelle, you and I have both been in this game a minute. 
And I know for a fact I have people come to me because I own a publishing company and I own a mid-sized publishing company. People come to me and they want me to publish this stuff, and I quickly tell them I only publish my works. And the reason being is that I have a niche, I have a brand, and being honest, I just don't want the headache. I want to ask you, how does someone know when they have a product worth publishing? That's a hard one to know. I mean, there are so many people who were told by experts that their book was not going to be profitable, and it turned out to be the exact opposite. So I think one of the things that particularly that's neat about self-publishing is that you can throw it into the water, and the readers will let you know right away if it's a bunch of mess. And then, you know, not that you should do that, but I'm saying you will, even if you go through, you can tell people, you know, when I do workshops, I'll tell people, well, if the book is not this, this, or this, then it's probably not going to be profitable, particularly think about the niche that I'm in. But everybody hears that like, yeah, that's true for everybody else except for me. And so it's hard to tell people, you know, that this may not work out. It doesn't look like it's going to – I mean, it looks like a book that I just read last week because everybody believes in their dream. And so I've had people who put stuff on the Internet, even after I told them that it wasn't going to work out, or that I'd advised them that I didn't think it was going to work out. And, you know, they might have sold 10 copies or so, but then the reviews start to come in, and the readers will point out to you, you know, this was poorly edited, this was wrong, and it was everything that I told them. So the interesting thing about self-publishing is sometimes you get out there and you and the, and the readers tell you, and then you take it off and you rewrite it and you give it another title and you put it back out there again. And it turned out actually better the second time around. But sometimes people have to hear it the hard way. They have to just... They, they have to experience it almost sometimes. I don't suggest that that's what you do. I suggest that you have a team, at least an editor, uh, maybe even someone that you respect in the industry who can look at the first chapter, just say, hey, I read your book so-and-so and it was great, and I just want to send you my first chapter and just get your feedback on it. That's another okay. way to try to lead through it. I know. Uh, here's my advice to people, and, and Michelle, tell me if this if you differ from this. I begin that conversation by suggesting First thing, anything that you write needs to be life-changing. And what I mean by life-changing is even if it's educational, a niche, uh, just something that you're an expert on or a certain genre, what you write needs to have a value that is significant. And there may be other content out there. I truly do not think that you can find a subject unless you are from another planet that someone else has an endeavor to scratch the surface uh, in, in terms of writing some material or some content on. But here's what I'm going to tell you, America. First thing, make sure your book is life-changing. The second thing, if it is life-changing, whose life is it going to change? Who is your audience? And what I mean by that is not your friends and family and those 250 people that you call friends out of the and only three of them you know from Facebook or from Twitter or your Instagram account, but really who is your audience? And if your audience is present, is what you are talking about something that is a current ongoing conversation or can it provoke dialogue? That's the next thing. Then if you are going to write a piece that is very niche or, or genre-based, 
uh, such as something that's educational and it's about flowers or it's about uh, travel or food or something like that, make sure that when you begin preparation of that content that it at least reflects what's currently out there and that you've taken that and added your own spin to it to give it your stamp and make it unique. And then lastly, if you are talking about a subject matter that requires expertise, you need to have credentials. And I and and some of us confuse that issue with experience. Now, if you have, uh, and I'll give a great example of this. Let's say that you've had, unfortunately, a battle with a health issue like fibromyalgia or uh, Parkinson's or Crohn's disease or something like that, and you've had a personal experience with yourself or a loved one, there is valuable content in what you write because it is a personal story. Someone can relate to it. It can probably inspire, educate, and inform. But if you are writing something and you're talking about building something or how a how-to book or a self-help book, please, Make sure that you're an expert because if you get to the airways and if you get to the media, they are going to butcher you like a sorry piece of meat. Now, what's your opinion about what I just said, Michelle? I think for nonfiction, um, which I don't have a lot of experience in, you are right on point with that. Um, Even when I'm working with teachers and talking with them about teaching kids, I mean, basic information is free. People just Google what they want to know if they just want basic information. So you do need to know more than they could find on the first three blogs that pop up on that pop up on the screen. Uh, but in terms of fiction, I think it is a little bit different. Um, you know, if you're writing a romance, there, there's pretty much a formula for that. Boy meets girl, they you know they fall in love, something happens, and they fall out of love, and they fall back in love. So sometimes people will buy the book not because it's necessarily the greatest original plot, but because they love your voice, the way you tell the story. You have a unique way of of uh, in describing the people and the situations and so on. So I think it is a little bit different when it comes to um, fiction than nonfiction. Okay, while you're talking about that, I think that's an excellent segue into my question. When you are writing fiction, and, and that's something that – to me is totally the other side of the field because all my books are self-help, laws of attraction, self-awareness, and self-actualization based. But in writing fiction, what should the steps be that one would take in order to really put together something substantive? Well, first thing is to be a reader, to, to study how other people, how the masters in the industry do it, and what are the little phrases that you can steal from them, and what do you see them doing in their own work that you can emulate? Because uh, that's how every, I think, most fiction writers are voracious readers so that we can learn how to do that. Um, So read first. That's the biggest thing. And then secondly, to make sure that you, there are probably five or six really good books out on um, plot and structure so that you understand the internal um, struggle that a character has to go through in that character arc from beginning to end, as well as the external things that are going on around that character. It can't just be this one-dimensional character who's always angry through the whole book, and then he goes to church and gets saved, and he's happily ever after. So, And I see that a lot in Christian fiction. So you know, everybody's crazy up until the very last chapter at Big Mom's funeral. So <laughs> that's, we, I mean, to really go beyond that. <laughs> That, that You know, when when you were saying that, it just put me in mind, um, back years ago, 
I promoted concerts, and I had a couple of friends that wrote some really phenomenal plays, Shelley Garrett, Michael Matthews, guys like that. And um, now I have another friend that's a movie producer, Greg Carter. And, and when I look at their, look at their work, um, they do have depth in their characters. You can see archetypical representations in each of the key characters. You can see the psychological development or the psychological disintegration of a character, and all of these right. things play against one another. What I, I guess my next question is, typically, when book uh, publishers and representatives prepare to get a to test the waters, so to speak, for your work, they will send out excerpts and sample copies to people so that they can get critical feedback. And typically that feedback is before they go and spend a great deal of money printing something that sucks. They know right off the bat, okay, this is what they said about this, and this is what did not work and what did work. So my question is simple. Is there a way that an uh, aspiring author can release excerpts and part of their content to the public so that they can get a sense of uh, clarity as to whether they are on point or whether they're missing the boat altogether. And if there is, where do you success, uh, suggest that they begin doing that? Uh, there are certainly several websites where authors post um, sometimes a chapter at a time, sometimes two or three chapters, and there are other authors and readers who will give them feedback on that. Um, I'm not in front of the screen right now, but I imagine if you Google, um, you know, writers work, writers workshop type of, a, of websites where writers are doing, I mean, even, I'm not a proponent of this book, but the book Fifty Shades of Grey, she released them, you know, a couple of chapters at a time and got feedback as she was writing. So, I mean, somewhere out there, the whole book is, you know, chapter, piece by piece out there um, because she was getting feedback. I, too, have put things on the Internet for people to give feedback on and just let me know. I'm also a part of a, a group, um, and this is just something that someone might want to start, you know, in your neighborhood or with other writers in your area. We meet once a week and read a chapter to each other, and my writing just tears it apart and tells me this is awful, this is great. So there are ways, whether it's face-to-face -face or online, to get some feedback on your writing. And, and people are, are brutal, but it's a good thing because you need to know what needs help. And it, because if you don't find that out, then when, you know, it's happened to me. I was sitting in a book club and something crazy came up, and I thought, I never even thought about that. And I don't think that publishers these days, they're under so much um, pressure to put out so many books a year. You know, they're taking a gamble. They they don't give as much time and effort and put as much time and effort into the books now as they used to when I first started publishing 10 years ago. It would take us months to get a book where it needed to be, months and months and months. And now, because their staff has been cut because of all the self-publishing and so on and borders closing and that kind of a thing, and they're being pushed to put out more books with fewer people on the staff. And so the quality even of published books is not what it used to be because I don't think they're putting into it what they used to. And I well, heard you say I can... earlier that a lot of times – oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I apologize for interrupting you. Uh, we're going to go to break probably about 8.01. Okay. But what I, what I want to say is that I was in the music industry for a number of years, and what I see in – and both of those businesses are rooted in publishing – 
what I see mm-hmm. taking place is that in the music industry as well as in the and the for print business that people no longer publish content. They publish what appears, at least from my venue, to be someone that has an effective brand. Um, and, and I really believe wholeheartedly that uh, what creates success for people like you, myself, or Wayne Dyer, or Deepak Chopra, or uh, Tony Robbins, uh, people like Miles Monroe, Joyce Meyer, T.D. Jakes, is that we did not sit back and we did not wait on a company uh, to come and make us what we became. Uh, I know for a fact, uh, just in my camp, thank God for Julia, thank God for Deborah, I uh, thank God for Paul Krupen. I have a team of people. Uh, I, I know I better say Jaylene Mack, my entertainment attorney. I have a pool of people around me. And we are team Dr. D. Von Young, and, and a lot of these people that are on my team are on a lot of other teams. Paul represents um, the lady that wrote The Secret and uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and Jaylene represents Steve Harvey and a bunch of people. So would you suggest that it would be very wise um, to put as much focus not only on the content that you're writing, but how you're going to package it and the uh, putting a machine together so that you have an effective brand? I think probably it's more uh, um, important in the nonfiction world because people read a book because they know something about you and they know something about, you know, your background or there's a lot of credentials that kind of come along with reading a nonfiction author. Um, But with fiction, I just know some really, really great authors who have great things behind them, and sometimes it really takes off, and then sometimes it doesn't. Fiction is just a different beast altogether. I'm, I'm learning. It's, it, it really does come down to when that person is sitting there reading the book. Do they like it enough to read the next one? Is there enough? I mean, you can, you know, you can have a book that's well promoted, and well, you know, publicized and so on and so forth. And you can get 80,000, 100,000 people to buy that first book because of that. But if they're going to pick up the next book or not depends on the content of that first book. Man, that is a deep argument. Well, when we come back, what I want to talk to you about is exactly that. How do we create a signature and a style of writing, be you a fiction or a nonfiction writer, and how do we capture and develop a niche in that audience? You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Devon Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Yours Truly. We have a very interesting show tonight, and this is one of those things that I definitely suggest that you go back and check the archive out in case you miss any of its content. It's going to, if you are aspiring 
to make a name for yourself or to get your name out there as an aspiring author, this is definitely a program that is going to be one that you may want to refer to um, more than once. I have with me Michelle Stimson, who is an accomplished writer, a best-selling author, and she also is a hell of a businesswoman when it comes to knowing the ins and outs of the publishing industry. Michelle, the thing that we were talking about prior to going to that break was, uh, I, I'm, I guess I want to use the term identifying with your audience. And I know it's very important, and, and I don't know a lot about uh, fiction writing, so this is really where I'm getting ready to step back, put the spike lot on you. But I want you to explain to people how do you create a, a rapport as well as a platform for your unique style of writing. And if you don't mind, give us some examples, because I know this week I'm going to have Rashonda take Billingsley on on Wednesday, and uh, you and Rashonda have done a very good job of creating such niche and such an identity uh, that has fostered an established rapport. So how did you begin that process? Um, and I know Rashonda well, so I'm excited that you'll have her on your show. Um, we both write Christian fiction, but we both have very different styles when it comes to writing. I know she's described her work before as Christian friction. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that we're – in terms of what our overall goal is, of course, it is to glorify God. She has a different way of doing it, and so do I. So one of the things that uh, has, you know, when, when I'm writing, I'm thinking about what's the message of this book and what is it that I know that the people who read my work want to take away from this book. I know that because of my style and because of the books that I've written in the past that have been successful and even the ones that haven't been as successful, that the people who read my books and who look for a Michelle Simpson book or who will read everything that I write, they expect to see certain things in the book. They expect to see a scripture. They expect for somebody at some point to preach. They expect that somebody will go from point A all the way to point Z by the end of the book and that that will be done by the power of God. They don't expect um, profanity. They don't expect... uh, explicit scenes with violence and that kind of a thing. So, you know, once you, as a writer, um, have established yourself in this vein and the people know that this is a book that I can read, I can open up any page in my women's conference and read a page out loud and not feel embarrassed because that's a Michelle Simpson book. Not saying that other people should or should not be doing whatever they do, but this is how I roll, this is how I write, this is how my gift is expressed. And so being consistent with you know, what your audience expects and what you're called to do, I think, is, is the key to building that loyal loyal readership. I mean, I have I know people who will say, you know what, Michelle, when I haven't prayed in a long time and I know I need to get back on the right track, I'll pick up one of your books because I know your book is going to send me back to the Word. So that's what, that's what needs to be consistent, I think, um, for your brand to be recognizable and for people to pick up your book at a certain point in their lives or through a trial or whatever um, so that they – come to know you as that person who can do this or that. And there are other authors who are just funny. And, you know, when you want a good laugh, you pick up that book. So I think everybody has their own style, and that's when you want to be consistent with it. Okay, Michelle, I'm getting ready to turn everyone red that's one of your fans and probably have you go, no, this Negro did not just ask me this. How do you write a Christian book and not have it be boring as hell or be just so weighted down and religion 
that I'm going to sleep in the second chapter? What is your secret in being able to write something that, and I'm going to just compare this to, um, I know if, if I've got my choice to go see uh, back in the day, I'm going to tell my age and date myself, but if i got a choice to go see Bernie Mac uh, versus Bill Cosby, I'm going to go see Bernie Mac, right? And, and maybe his language is colorful, and maybe Bernie was as ignorant as, I, as a $3 bill, but Bernie was funny as heck. And Bill, to me, is like only so much jello pudding before I either just get up and walk out or puke. So what is it that <laughs> you did differently uh, that and I'm gonna I'm gonna really um, go there. That would make me buy you from Zane. How how do you keep women engaged with the reality of life without crossing lines? Well, I, I think it really comes down to uh, me, quite honestly, in the walk that I live. Yes, I live in the world. I live around people. I don't stop other people from doing what they want to do, and I face challenges and that kind of a thing. But the way that I live my life by the power of God directs what I do and how I think and how I resolve problems and how I view things. And so when you talked earlier about, you know, your walk being consistent with what you write, um, I was at a book club once, and and, and one of the characters in my story, she forgave somebody pretty quickly for something pretty bad. And the, the reader said to me, you know, before I met you, I thought this was not real. But when I met you and I see how you are, I see how this is reality, how this can be a reality for somebody. I don't expect that people who want to read Zane necessarily want to read me. I think Bill Cosby has his audience and Bernie Mac has his audience. And I don't try to trick people and try to make them feel like, well, this book is, is going to be all nasty and juicy, and then they get there and there's no sex, and they're just like, oh, man, I thought I was, I, she really tricked me. I don't even try to trick people. And I think that the people who love me and who follow my work know that already. And that's the brand, that's the niche that I work with. And that's just how it is. I don't want to – I'm not the kind of writer who will change who I am to try to, to try to reach people because I want to be sensationalized. I know the sex sells, that kind of thing. I have to answer the gospel that's gift he's given me, and I'm not going to go there. Now, so if a person decides that they want to do that, that's, I mean, some people go back and forth. With you know, I, I watch a good Bernie Mac show here. I mean, it comes on every night out, out here in Dallas. But I'm saying this is my niche. This is what I'm called to do. And if I were to do something other than that, I would be out of line, and I don't think my book would sell. So what you're telling uh, our audience tonight is be true to yourself. Exactly. That's what. That's now, all anybody can do. Now, yeah. what happens? Let, let's just say this, and and I'm going to talk about the difference between vanity publishing and self-publishing. With the rise of print-on-demand technology and the Internet, vanity uh, publishers frequently masquerade as self-publishing companies. Now, here's the difference. Self-publishing companies charge to print your book, and they will provide an online storefront for your project, and that's it. They don't care whether they don't – they probably won't even like or even read your book because what their business is about is – I'm going to get 100 people just like you to pay me a certain amount of money. I don't care how many units sell because at the end of the day, 100 of you selling 1,000 books apiece, I just sold 100,000 units. You know, So these guys really aren't in this thing to support you where vanity publishers will charge inflated prices for everything. They, we design your book cover, and, and okay, well, this is the cost of publishing, and I'm going to hire some half-wit editor to almost edit your book, and we're going to do promotion. Those things are, are frightening to me. So 
how do you think a a novice writer or someone that is truly new to this game uh, can get involved and get involved in such a way that they avoid being pigeonholed and and conned out of something by and being able to really establish themselves a as a serious writer and that their work is something to be noticed. What what give me like a few steps that you would tell them to take? Well, let me just clarify because I think my definition of self self publishing may be even different than the one that you just gave for self publishing. Um, I don't mm-hmm. use another company to self publish. I directly publish to Am- uh, Kindle, to Barnes and Noble, to iBooks, to all of those different venues. I go directly there myself and upload my manuscripts, upload my book cover, which is all the self publishers doing anyway. They're just pushing a whole bunch of submit buttons for you. So mm-hmm. I don't use any middleman between myself and the distributor. So mm-hmm. I just want to make sure we're on the same page with that. Are we on the same yeah, page but, with that? Yeah. <laughs> We are because, and here's, I think here's where I want to nail this, is that there are people sitting right there listening to you right all across America, and this show airs in Australia, it airs in Barbados, it airs in the UK, you know, there are people around the world that listen to my program. What I am really wanting to avoid or help someone avoid is being ill-prepared, going out, half with you know you know how they say that you know just enough to go and really screw yourself really well right? right and and what i don't want someone to do is to figure that um that they can end up being you by going and saying well you know what i heard michelle stimson say i could just go and upload this to nook and upload this to kindle and i can take my manuscript and have it formatted for these technologies and what have you and then at the end of the day, they still are sitting there stuck in the water. So what would you say to these people that would give them a leg up? Well, again, in, in, when we're talking strictly fiction, in my case, it comes down to the product itself on, on this end. You've got to have a really good editor, a really good, strong editor. Not And see, the thing, that's the thing about it. You've got to make sure it's not somebody just who's impressed with the fact that you've written a book. You want a good, strong editor who will tear your book apart. You should have a lot, especially a new writer, you should have a lot of things to fix in that book before you ever go to print. So that good, strong editor, and you're going to have to hire somebody for that, a good, strong editor, and then a good, strong book cover. Again, it's the second thing, to really, really have a a cover that pops. But quite honestly, Dr. Young, it has been my experience that the best thing you can do as a fiction writer is to have a good, strong product and keep putting out books on a regular basis because I've done a million gazillion uh, e-blasts and hired this company for this and hired this company for that, and I just haven't seen anything boost sales like writing another good book, period. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with that. I think what happens is that people at that point begin to take you serious. Um, one shot Johnny's and never taken serious. And, and being honest, writing is a passion. And I know in my practice, and you know, as a holistic coach or any other uh, practice in medicine or what have you, the reason we call it a practice is because you keep you never perfect it. It is something that is an evolutional, ongoing process. And um, I will speak from the from the side of writing self help and inspirational things. You cannot um, have 
are what I call a hollowed testimony. You cannot have a product that when someone gets through reading, click your heels three times, Dorothy, you'll be back in in Kansas, and, you know, let's rub this lamp, and when the genie comes out, you can just wish things into your life. That's a bunch of bull. The truth is people need to have significance and tangibility, and they need to connect with things. And I think that uh, in the fiction or in the self-help genre, the reason that people go back and revisit a product is that they can evolve with the author or with the person mm-hmm. creating the content. So yeah. with that being said, um, Michelle, what is a sign that, let's say you've written this first book. Let's say mm-hmm. that you actually published it. What should you do differently or what what should be the milestones one should set? for one's own goals when it comes to evolving their product and evolving their content? I think getting more readers, uh, you know, the loyal readers, and you can watch for your reviews. You can watch for people just emailing you and saying, hey, when you, when's the next book coming out? I hope she writes the next book. Um, as you begin to uh, collect email addresses from people and your, your Facebook page and all, and as your likes go up and people are interacting with you authentically through Twitter and through Facebook and that kind of a thing, then you'll be able to, you know, you'll get your – your loyal audience coming, and I don't, I don't use social media um, as a tool to get people to like me and that kind of a thing. I don't do, I just don't do inauthentic things like that. Following all those poor formulas, do this many tweets about your family and then one about your book so that people will feel like you really care. I don't do that. If I tweet something or I put something on Facebook, it's because I really, really wanted to say that to people. I think that authenticity, more than anything else, Doctor Young, is what makes people connect with you. It's because you care and you love them and you want the best for them. And you can do it and hire the best PR company out there. But that authenticity is what's going to come through eventually and keep your readers loyal to you and your words that you write on the page. That's what it all comes. After 10 years of doing this, and I don't know, I mean, I'm sure you've probably been doing it longer, but after 10 years, I can tell you, having been self-published, mainstream published by Simon & Schuster, the biggest publisher there is probably in the U.S., all of that put together. Nothing is more important than your heart behind what you're doing because, like I said, hustlers don't last long in this industry, period. Well, I I totally agree with that. Um, I will be quick to say that people do business with you, and I know uh, I am known for being a relationship expert, and that is exactly what I teach when I am working with everything from governmental bodies to institutions to entrepreneurs, even in couples counseling. My message is always the same. It is about relationship and creating a dialogue where um, you that the your your supporters and your fans and the people that are buying your products need to feel a sense of oneness and feel that they are connecting with you. What we're going to do is take another quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to ask Michelle what's she up to, what's the new products about, uh, where can we uh, where can we see you? Because I know there's an event coming up very soon to where uh, not only will people be able to get your books autographed in person by you, but can talk. So uh, you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and we'll be right back in about 45 
coming up on Segment for America. This is Dr. Dave Von Young. Tonight we are talking about publishing and how to create your own worth in this business. Michelle, one thing that I want to do, because I know we're, we're throwing out a plethora of information and probably a lot more than someone can really digest in the span of an hour. So I want to uh, first say, what is your newest product? And tell me the story behind it. Uh, the most recent project is a book called What About Mama's House? And actually, it's a novella that I wrote with um, a mentee of mine. She's been trying to write fiction for a while, but she just needed kind of somebody to hold her hand and walk through it. So we wrote an outline, and uh, she wrote 10 of the chapters, and I wrote the other 10. So um, it's a novella called What About Mama's House? Um, and then the last full-length novel was a book called Stepping Down about a pastor who um, is the pastor of a megachurch, and they're well. They're about to be a mega church, but while he's been pastoring this church, his whole family has been falling apart at home. So, you know, how do you balance the work that that you know you believe you've been called to do with the work at home? So now you know I'm going to ask this question. Girl, what in the heck is a novella? Because when I hear novella, I think about uh, Salvador, uh, whatever, Gigante on uh, Univision and uh, and uh, Latin American soap opera. So what is a yes, novella? Yes, <laughs> that was, I, It's funny. That's my one of my best friend's mom's name is novella. She was like, what is this? Uh, but a novella is actually just a short novel. Um, a novel runs about 60,000 words, and a novella runs about thirty to 40,000 words. So it's just a shorter piece of fiction. Um, and people are really gravitating towards them because they just don't have as much time sometimes as they used to to sit down with a 500-page book. So novellas are getting to be pretty hot. I think that's – and what you're saying, and I think that is a good option for a novice writer because mm-hmm. at that point what people look at I, – I know Baker and Taylor is – hardcore about this. If you don't have 10 barcodes, you need to go through another distributor to deal with these guys. And a lot of uh, companies just are not going to look at you until you have some significance attached to your name. So in writing these short stories, and when I say short stories, I do mean uh, 30, 25,000 words, 30,000 words, (laughs) story, basically uh, double-spaced, no more than uh, maybe 40 pages. So when someone is writing something like that, um, do they have as much of a chance of being successful as they do in writing traditional formatted content? I think a, a good author will, will, you know, use a combination of those. I mean, you've got novellas that you would sell for less on the Internet, and that that's kind of a reeling people in type of a thing where they begin to go, oh, you know, I like this writer. I like how she took me on a little journey with this little story as short as it was. What does she have that's longer? And so you'll have novels and you'll have your novellas and you know, you price your novellas cheaper than your novels, that kind of a thing. So it's it's it it can be a good thing. I really like to just tell a story. I mean at this point I just tell the story. If it stops at thirty thousand words, it stops there. If it keeps on going because they haven't solved the problem yet, we just keep on going, which is kind of the beauty of being able to self publish because a publisher would say, No, we need another fifteen thousand words. Well then I have to go put the filler in that is just gonna sound like filler because in my brain and in my heart the story was done. So it's kind of neat to be able to say, you know what, this is art. And, if you know, if you would never go to an artist and say, put another color in there, take some more stuff, it's not done. If an artist says it's done, it's done. Okay, now I've been looking at your tour schedule, and I understand that there is, uh, you're going to be in Houston, Texas, 
I know you're in Dallas, and as a matter of fact, it just so happens I'm in Dallas tonight too. So to everybody in Dallas, Texas, I want to say, hey, here's a shout-out. I'm enjoying your city. And I want to uh, thank the uh, the Marriott at City Place for the lovely accommodations that I have here. But the one thing I want to ask you about is as we examine some of the um, some of the things that you're going to be discussing at this Writers Summit. I think it's a Writers Summit in Houston you're doing. Could you tell yes, us a little bit networking. about that? Definitely. Um, it's the Authors Networking Summit, and that's the website, authorsnetworkingsummit.com, coming up um, in October. And we're going to be, there's going to be lots of different authors there um, talking about, you know, how to be successful as an author. We also have a venue for young people. There's a young people's track and then kind of an, I don't know, 18 and over track <laughs> for authors um, who want to get started in the industry or those who have already gotten started but would like us to go to the next level. Um, we'll be giving out lots of great information. I'll be talking about self-publishing. Um, and so we're just really looking forward to the opportunity. This is, I think, the third or fourth one that uh, has been put on. So it's always a lot of fun to go. And when is that? Oh, my goodness. You would ask that. I think it's October. What kind of author is this? October 4th and 5th is actually the day <laughs> that oh, okay. we're doing it. i got to pull out my iPad and look at my calendar. I never know what I'm doing half the time. But, yes, it's October 4th and 5th. Well, I know things like that are so necessary. Um, if you're going to succeed in the publishing business, it is very much a business that you need to be educated, you need to be exposed, and you definitely need to do some networking because there is no way you're going to succeed in this business without having a good team around you and without having the support systems that you need. Now, the last thing I want to ask you before we wind down is, how can people get in contact with you, and where can they find your content? Certainly. Um, again, the the workshop is coming up. Um, they can meet me face-to-face in Austin. I mean, not Austin, in Houston. They're on authorsnetworkingsummit.com. But then my website is michellestimpson.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-S-T-I-M-P-S-O-N.com. Um, to, to just get my my website is actually a blog and it's where writing and faith collide. Um, and so I just hope to encourage other authors as well. I mean, there's there's really not a formula for this because it is art. So I look forward to sharing what I know um, and and you taking whatever you can apply. Okay, Michelle. Before you exit, uh, we do have a caller on hold, and uh, Julia, go ahead and put that caller through. She's on. Hi, this is Dr. Devon Young, and who am I speaking with? Hi, yes, my name is Trinita Randolph. How are you this evening? I'm great. Uh, Do you have a question or a comment? I have a question. Um, And either one of you, feel free to answer the question or give me your input. Um, I have um, been toying with the idea of writing a book not to go into a series or a collection of books or anything of that nature, but more of a um, a, a life story. And as you said earlier, you need to make sure it's not just interesting to those around you to say, oh, yeah, and it's not to be a woe with me or anything of that nature. But the content would be of, of, of around my two sons. I have two sons that have a very rare genetic disorder called Atrix, less than 200 cases in the entire world, and mine are the only two African-Americans. 
with lots of medical issues. One just passed away this past May, um, and he was not the more medically fragile of the two. I've had people for years tell me about that I need to put it in writing about the plights that I've had to, you know, to go through, the, 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 the battles that I've had to fight, the advocacy issues that I've had to have and, and, and be an advocate for them. Um, but, you know, and I, I'm pretty good with speaking with people. Um, I'm pretty good with telling my story. I'm pretty good with standing on my faith and telling a testimony about how, how I made it through and where I was there and then here where I'm at now. And, but when it, and I can write when it comes to just anything in general, but when it comes to trying to put this together, how do I form those ideas? How, what ideas do I pull from? You understand what I'm saying? Definitely. Michelle, go ahead and take a crack at that, and then I will. Okay, definitely. Um, you know, the fact that you are you just mentioned that the, the disease itself is so rare, I wouldn't make that be the focus of the book because if there are only, you know, a handful of people across the country who have that, then that definitely limits your readership if we're talking about, um, you know, turning it into something that is profitable. But if you want to take a different angle and talk about just the idea of advocacy, how do you stand up for your child? How do you fight insurance companies? How do you win when, you know, you've been denied? That might be an angle that has a little bit more universal appeal. And, of course, your testimony gives you the background for it, but I think you want to go with a wider angle as a, and not the disease itself because it is so rare, and that's that's going to be my input on it. Well, actually, that is, uh, Selena, the, the same thing that I wanted to say is um, almost very similar to that, and and that the more people that can relate to what you're talking about, the larger your audience is. So I definitely want to go into that. But more than anything else, the question gets to be, why would I read this? And moreover, what standpoint are you going to take it from? Because just like what Michelle just said to you, is are you writing this book from the standpoint of advocacy, or are you writing this book from the standpoint of the experience and what and what the how this disease has brought out the best in you and how you mm-hmm. took lemon and made lemonade out of it, or are you writing this just to vent and to do basically something that's cathartic? And if, and and again, this goes back to that thing I said earlier about writing books that you don't necessarily write to try to make money or sell, but they go to a very niche audience. Uh, And and here's some examples of that. Let's say you became an advocate for uh, this disease, and the few people that have it, you had this book as source material for when you would go and do lectures at universities, medical schools, or what have you, or support groups. Another reason why you could write content such as this would be for you to help women and families that are going through crisis, no matter what the affliction. And that could range from everything from, again, from dementia to leukemia and showing that loss of a child is not the loss of life. So this, what I would suggest that you do is really sit down and meditate and think, okay, why am I going to write this? And who am I writing it to? Why would someone read it? And what's the significance of it? And more than anything else, do not have unrealistic expectations once you or if you endeavor to do this project. Because your expectation, uh, what I would tell any writer, I don't care if you're writing 
addiction or self-help or a how-to or what have you, is you want to impact somebody's life with your content. And if you make that the focal point, I believe that that will uh, not only bring transformation to your life, but to the lives of your readers. Anyway, I appreciate the call, and we're just about out of time, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, one other thing, Michelle, give them your website and your phone number one more time. Um, MichelleStimson.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-S-T-I-M-P-S-O-N.com, and I can be reached at 800-392-0478. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Anita, thank you for your phone call. As usual, I hope this helps someone. Now, before we go, I just want to say this in closing. Whether you're self-publishing or are looking for a traditional publishing, do what's best for yourself and your project because projects really depend on great marketing, having finances, and sales acumen, and how involved do you really want to be with every aspect of producing your book, and how large of an audience can you expect to attract. So I will be quick to say self-publishing works best for niche publications and for an uh, audience that's actively seeking that type of content. With that said, I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I'm going to say what I always tell you. If you're looking for someone to love you, why don't you start with yourself? Nobody can do that better than you. This is Dr. Devon Young, and I will talk to you guys on Wednesday with my special guest, Rashonda Tate Billingsley. With that said, good night. I love you and have an awesome week.